Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanziel. I'm sorry, everybody. We dropped the ball on Thursday. Blame me, but we're back and we're here with our non-con preview special where we dive into each and every single opponent that Villanova is going to play before Biggie's play starts up. So we're going to look at everything from Army in the season opener through the Myrtle Beach Invitational up until the last of the non-con games, which I believe ends with a Big Five game. It's one of those where it feels like it should be over right before January, but then there's a late trickler. I believe it's Temple. It is Temple. And I think last year was UConn, I'd like to say. There's always that weird one, you're right, that always finds its way in the thick of the Big East schedule. We're all ready to just beat up on you know the likes of Xavier, Creighton, Providence. But then next thing you know, you just got to take a break from that to play, I don't know, like, Ohio or Marshall. Yeah, I know. Such exciting games, right? Can't oh, wait for that. Oh, it's always exciting. It's always exciting over here at State of Nova Nation. It's always exciting when Villanova mm-hmm. basketball is back, which, by the way, mm-hmm. we're looking at a week. We're, the countdown's on. <laughs> it's yeah, a week, it, baby. Week from today, right? Week from today? That's, That's crazy. right. November 5th, first game at the Pavilion against Army. We're going to have Brendan Riley there. He's going to be repping VU Hoops there for us. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. It felt like it was such a long off season, but then once we got to like, I'd say September, it really flew. I felt like the preseason flew. It absolutely did. September rolled around and then you look up and it's Biggie's media day and we're back to doing this. And now, now we're already doing the preview shows, two of our favorite shows of the year to put together. And uh, we are game a week from today. Absolutely nuts. Looking forward to it though. I actually am. It's always good to get the season on back on track here. Yeah. And what was nice too, was there were little, preseason events that kind of got us hyped like for example there was a blue white scrimmage there was big east media day there was the scrimmage against usc or i should say exhibition game against usc which felt like a real game and then you had justin moore just shooting the lights out in a secret scrimmage against unc 104 to 100 lots of questions about that game but since we can have zero intel on what happened behind closed doors we can only speculate and i have plenty of questions about that game first of all Justin Moore, great job. Shot the lights out. Just absolutely killed it. But what what were the rules here? Why was there 104 to 100? Why was it an NBA type score? That was just my biggest question when I saw that score. These secret scrimmages always have something funky going on. Like, I love how you said, like, you can't find out any other, like, stats. But, like, you know, like, Justin Moore, like, just went off. Like, I love how there's always, like, that, like, folklore tale of, like, these secret scrimmages of, like, who had the big game last year? It was Sadiq Bay. It was Sadiq, yeah. Just out of nowhere. And you just like you just see the numbers and it's like video game numbers. It's like, how does this even happen? <laughs> but, and the thing that was crazy about last year was it was like three guys were the only ones shooting the ball and then Dylan Painter took one shot. Outside of that, no one else shot the ball. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's literally like street ball. It's just, it's just like here, just take it and do whatever you want with it. And like I feel like they just disregard the offense. I don't know why. <laughs> or any type of system, I should say. It's weird. Big shout-outs to Justin Moore for killing it in the secret scrimmage. We'll never know what happened behind closed doors, but that only adds to the hype train. That is Justin Moore, point guard. I should have known. As soon as that guy posed for that picture on South Campus and he was wearing Crocs with a killer stare, that's that's the look of a baller or a scrub, and you, you could already tell. Like, this guy, if he looked like that and he had that dead stare wearing Crocs, you already knew this guy was a baller. He was not playing around. <laughs> Justin Moore's a crock wearer. Yeah, you didn't see the picture? 
I did not. Oh, see you're off Twitter. Face. You're off Twitter. I am, That's right. I am off Twitter. Remember that? Yes. I yeah, there was. Yeah, it was move-in day, and it was his parents smiling, and then Justin Moore in the middle looking like he was ready to obliterate the cameraman, and then he was wearing Crocs with socks. That's good for him. Good for him. Maybe it's like Samson's hair. He needs to wear Crocs to be good at basketball. I don't know. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He could wear he could wear the Crocs. He could wear the Crocs because it seems like mm-hmm. that, that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, if it continues to shoot like that, all for it. So we've got a bunch of games to look at. We are going to go in order of the schedule. So we're going to start off with Army, the Black Knights. What can we expect from this Army team? From what I hear, Army likes to run an army of players out there. Yes, great great play on uh, words, Eugene. Great job. You hear Army, you, th- you obviously think of the Army football team. It immediately goes to that in my mind. But regardless of what they put out on the court, they are a big name. Last year, they finished at 13-9, and finished 8-10 and in the Patriot League, ended up losing Lehigh in the Patriot League quarterfinals they do return matt wilson 6'9 senior forward center and also tommy funk a senior guard you are right though that the black knights do like to roll out an army there they have a rotation of 11 to 12 different players a little bit more on wilson and funk wilson as i mentioned before six foot nine big man he led the team in scoring uh, 13.8 points last year and also had 8.6 rebounds so gotta box him out it, it would be imperative to win this game and also tommy funk Great senior guard leading the team for the past couple of years. It'll be interesting to see what Funk does on the court this time around because he'll be facing off against a familiar pace for him in Colin Gillespie. They both went to Archbishop Wood. Uh, so a nice little reunion there, and it'll be uh, uh, interesting to see if uh, Funk can build off his uh, last year's performance, which, where he averaged 12.6 points a game. So I don't know if he'll bring out the, both, uh, the best in both uh, Funk and Gillespie, but it should be uh, fun for at least the locals anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool little reunion there, and especially, you're right, in front of the local crowd. Those two were former teammates at Archbishop Wood. It was Funk. He handed the keys to the car over to Gillespie, and we saw what kind of career he had at the end of his high school years, just absolutely lighting it up and eventually landing an offer from Villanova and taking it and becoming a Wildcat. Funk, even though he doesn't play for a big-name basketball school, do not sleep on this guy. This guy is an excellent facilitator. He's that old-school type of guard who's going to look to set up his teammates first, then call his number when he feels like he can. But this guy was top 25 in all of the NCAA Division One last season when it came to averaging just under six assists per game. He's very efficient. He takes good care of the ball and makes good decisions. Definitely expect at least 12 guys deep. Matt Wilson and Tommy Funk, they're going to be at the main core of everything. But there's going to be 10 different bodies just swarming around. They're going to run lots of different looks, lots of different fresh legs. One of my old bosses actually is a huge, huge Army fan. And when he told me that they were playing Villanova, he said, be prepared for them to bring out everybody, the water boy, the bus driver. Everybody's going to run out on the floor because they like to roll deep, and which is very unique. That's something you don't really see. But, Chris, let's just get to it. Yeah. Prediction time. What are we feeling here? Is it a win? A loss? Do you think Army spoils the opening day ceremonies? What do you, what do you see? They better win. Opening night at the at the Finn, they, they should take care of business in this one. I will say, though, that the the rotation for Army, the whole 11 to 12 guy thing, is, is pretty interesting. Intrigued to see what Jay's going to do to counteract that. So that's like what I'll be looking forward to going into this game, at least scheme-wise. But yeah, I, I think Villanova wins. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think this should be a pretty solid win for Nova. I'm not going to say like 20, 30-point blowout, 
but I would say they, they probably won by double digits here. I like it. Can't wait to see. If there's like a little moment between Gillespie and Funk. I'm sure they'll, they'll dap each other up, but I see Nova winning this one. So we have them both starting out 1-0 so far. But the next opponent might not be it might not be that easy. After they take on Army, they're going to head on to the road and play the Ohio State Buckeyes, which has an, a little familiar face. Chris, who, who are we going to see in Ohio State? Who are we going to see over there in Columbus, Ohio? Uh, that would be head coach Chris Holtman, who's entering his third season for the Buckeyes. We should all remember him from his uh, Butler days, where he did a pretty damn good job over there at Hinkle. But as an overall, Ohio State had a pretty good year last year. And I think, if I remember correctly, when the NCAA came out with those like net rankings, I think they were first in the first ever poll. So they got off to a really good start. But they kind of faltered down the stretch. They ended up finishing 20 and 15, 8 and 12 in the Big Ten. They lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten quarters, and they lost to Houston in the round of 32. Some key returning players are the Weston brothers, Caleb and Andre, both forwards. Andre being a senior, Caleb being a junior. You also got DJ Carton as a freshman, big-time guy coming in. And you also got EJ Little, freshman forward. So a lot of talent coming in, but just got to mention uh, CJ Jackson, Keyshawn Woods heading on out. There's, I would say there's two main storylines. The first being, assuming... Everything doesn't go royally wrong for both Villanova and Ohio State in the first week. Uh, this should be a ranked matchup, and that'll be cool to see. And obviously, it's the Big East, Big Ten crossover, Gavit Games matchup. And then also, you got the return of Chris Holtman. Well, not the return of Chris Holtman, but you got the return He's back of the, in our lives. Yeah, he's back in our lives. And you got Jay Wright against Chris Holtman. And Holtman got the better of Jay in a couple times, and Jay's gotten the better of Holtman a couple times. So it'll be cool to see that back in action. Yeah, Jay's got a score to settle, though, because Holdman was at the helm of that Butler team that ended that pavilion streak mm-hmm. and just swept the Cats. And that was, I remember when we talked about that on the show a couple years back, that was probably one of the most bizarre feelings because I remember when we lost at Hinkle, we were just like, all right, wait, wait till it comes back to the pavilion. It's over. It's, <laughs> that's a done deal. Lock it up as a W. And then when they lost, we, we just went on the air the next morning like, uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Humble pie. <laughs> that happened. Wow. And, like, that was, and that was a weird game, too. I think Villanova was winning, like, majority of the time. and But it was like Butler was hanging around, like, three, five points the entire game. But it didn't feel like that type of lead. It felt like they were winning by 10. And then Butler, like, just hit, like, three shots in a row. And Villanova went cold. And that was the end of that. And we're like, oh, wow, the game's over. And the Butler has more points than Villanova. And that, that, oh, wow, we lost? Wow, okay. Not good. That game seems like forever ago. My God. That was the first uh, year of this. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the first year. First year of uh, podcast form, anyway. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It's uh, good to see Holtman back in our lives. I know he's a really good coach, and he's taken Ohio State back to a little bit of prominence on the basketball side. We all know it's a football school, but it seems to be that basketball's making a little bit of a comeback. Yeah, this game should be pretty tough. Uh, I don't expect anything else from a Chris Holtman-led team, and this is an Ohio State squad that lost two really good players in Jackson and Woods. And it'll be interesting to see how they mix in the freshmen because this is a pretty solid class with three different four-star guys. So I'm expecting the best from Holtman. Don't know what's going to happen here because this is going to be probably the first real big game for a lot of these freshmen, I would say. No offense to Army, but this is kind of the the real season opener in my eyes. Chris, what are your predictions? What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think Nova comes out of Columbus unscathed or... Do they just take a nice punch to the mouth and and move on? 
I just feel like with both teams, a lot of this is just very unpredictable, and we, I just don't know what to expect. Kind of going to have to default to the home team here, and since that's Ohio State, I think Ohio State ends up winning this. I just don't get a good feeling going into a pretty hostile environment, a young team, and I just I just don't got a good feeling going into it. That That's all. I mean, maybe my tune changes if they come out firing against Army, and Ohio State looks like crap against whoever the heck they play their first few games. As of right now, as we sit here today, I think I think they take the L, but I think it'll be better for the long run. I think they'll, they'll learn a lot from this game. And, you know, we said a bunch of times last year that where we thought they would lose, they ended up playing tough and better than expected, so maybe that's the case here. But like I said, I think they lose, but I think they'll come out better for it. From what I was able to gather from Jay at Biggie's Media Day, he was kind of drilling this into his freshman as like the game. He was worried that, yes, you know, there's Army, but this is their first real time on the road. It's going to be at Ohio State. He's no, he already knows what to expect from Holtman, but his new guys might not. And also, you look at the Buckeyes, they've been so great defensively throughout Holtman's first two years there, going top 50, top 25 in Kent Palm's defensive efficiency rankings. However, I think because Jay is stressing the importance of this game, I think this is going to be a nice building block. And I, at first, I thought there was going to be a loss, but I changed my mind, and I am going with a dub for the Cats. So I got them at 2-0. and You got them at 1-1. and Yes. Uh, just a quick question before we move on. Who was the Gavit game last year? I'm trying to think. Did they, did they not play in one last year? I don't think they did. I think Nova sat out. Yeah, I think they did. But then the year before that was at Purdue. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. No. No, the, the one at Purdue was the Josh Hart senior year. That was 2016-17. That was three. Oh, my God. Yeah, because that was – yeah, because Josh Hart kind of bailed us out. That's right. And who was the one before – after that? Actually, they played Michigan, which – I totally oh, understand why you forgot it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I forgot it too. I had to do it a quick double check just to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> I so, do remember they they did sit out one year recently over the last. They, they did. They did. The, the all these years are kind of merging into one now, and that's I don't I don't know why, but yeah, that's um, we really did repress that from our memories, did we? Wow. <laughs> Remember when that game was being sold for like fifteen hundred dollars? Mm-hmm. You could sit at the pavilion. Yep, and you can see uh, another ass whooping. That was a uh... try not to relive that. Let's uh, let's move on to Ohio State, right? <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. Well, after Ohio State, uh, we got Ohio. Yeah, this is kind of the the knockoff Ohio team. This is the team that usually gets forgotten when you say you go to Ohio. People usually think Ohio State. They don't think of the Bobcats, but We've got the Bobcats coming up, and they're coming to the Wells Fargo Center, which, uh, sure, okay, why not? <laughs> There's always one. So the Bobcats, they're bringing in a new head coach and Jeff Bowles, and this is just a, a team that struggled offensively last year, but now it also looks like a lot of the main guys are gone because they brought in a new head coach. Chris, what's the 411 on the Bobcats here? What, what, what's going on? What's going on over there? Recap of last year, not not so hot. Uh, fourteen and seventeen regular season record, six and twelve in conference. They ended up losing in the opening round of the MAC tournament. That is one A, not two A's. So, yeah, th- like you said, this team's just gonna. Tr- this team just doesn't have an identity right now. Lost a lot. Didn't really bring in much, but 
you know, you still got some good players in there. Ben Vanderplas, sophomore forward. You got Jason Preston, sophomore guard. So, I mean, these are the only two guys really that kind of saw any form of the court last year. They are bringing in some freshmen. They are bringing in six new freshmen with a couple of three-star prospects in Ben Roderick and Marvin Price. So, Look out for them if they were to see the court. But yeah, it's it's going to be probably another rough year for Ohio. I think it, they had like a pretty decent run a few years ago. I think that was the FGCU year for some reason. I don't know why uh, they had a pretty good run. But other than that, they really haven't made much noise. And hopefully is a easy win for Villanova. Yeah, my, my question is not going to be what do you think is going to happen, like if it's going to be win or loss. My, my question for you is, is it going to be by 20 or is it going to be by 30? Okay, all right. I don't, I don't think we're at that point yet, Eugene. Oh, no, I think we're at that point. I think we're at that point. I, look, let's just say they lose against Ohio State. Then they're going to come back guns blazing and obliterate Ohio. I, I literally think they're going to obliterate Ohio. Um. Yeah, you know what? I, I could see them playing pissed off if they, if they were to lose Ohio State. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I would certainly give you that. You got them winning, I'm guessing. Oh, I totally have them winning. Uh, I ha- not only do I have them winning, I have Ohio being renamed to West Villanova. Oh. That's what I'm seeing right now. I'm telling you right now. Eugene, you're giving them locker room material. And I am giving them locker room material, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it 100 right now. I think Villanova <laughs> should win both Ohio State and Ohio games. Okay. You, Villanova runs through the state of Ohio. I'm, I'm all for it. West Villanova. It'll be West Villanova in 2020. <laughs> so what do you think, Chris? Do you, do you think they beat Ohio? But if not by 20 or 30, how much? Do you think it's going to be like a close game? Like, what do you, what do you envision here? 15, because I know someone on Ohio is going to get a hand on, their hands on this, and it's going to be all up in their locker room. So I'm just going to, I'm going to leave you out to dry. I say Villanova wins by 10 to 15 points. Okay, you got it. So after Ohio, after these first three games, Villanova is going to participate in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Now, before we even dive into this tournament, I just want to take the next couple of minutes to call out Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers for ducking the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Because right now, if you look at this tournament field, I'm not, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too pumped up here. But I, I would be pumped up because that means Villanova has a very high chance of extending its midseason tournament championship streak. But I would have really loved to have seen Villanova go up against the Memphis Tigers. There's not like one marquee team here. There isn't. Not one. And we can possibly see Ohio again. Like, how awful would that be? With regards to Memphis, though, it would have been cool to see Wiseman play top recruit, obviously, coming in in the country. And Memphis, you know, got, got a little history with them. You know, the whole 1985, they were at Memphis State then in the Final Four. So, look, that would have been cool. Would have been real cool. You got at least two marquee programs in here. I mean, I guess you can make the argument for Baylor a little bit, but it just—it's uh, such a shame. I don't know why they had the bailout. I didn't even know you could defer your participation. <laughs> That's so stupid. I'm surprised of all the things that the NCAA can fine you for and get you in trouble for. Like that's not one that like they didn't like crack down on. I don't know what to say other than ESPN probably called up Penny and they were like, "Ooh, this Jeremiah Robinson Earl kid. Oh man." Uh, I think I think you should wait. I think you should wait a year. That way you'll look good on our networks. <laughs> wait, did Memphis go to a tournament that's like getting hosted by ESPN? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational is hosted by ESPN. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right now, Memphis is not playing in any kind of tournament. That's also, you know who they replaced Memphis with? They replaced him with Tulane, who Lane, went yeah. winless, winless in conference play last year and Good. four and 27 overall. But I'm not going to slander them too much because they did bring us Caleb Daniels. So I'm not going to slander them too much. That's fair. But is this worse? Is this field worse than the Charleston Classic from a couple of years ago? Yes or no? I think this, this field is probably slightly better just because you have a couple of teams that you know and they've made the tournament recently, like Baylor, Utah, Coastal Carolina. I think the Chanticleers, they, they were sneaking in at like 16 or 15 uh, a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Mississippi State was pretty decent, but when we get into them, we're going we're gonna to see that they're actually playing a little bogged down. Chris, let's just first start off with the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. What do you expect from them? I'm not really feeling – too much of a scare but you never know nowadays yeah neither am i i mean we all kind of remember middle tennessee state from uh, our senior year ncaa tournament when they ended up knocking off michigan state as a, a 15 seed and then the next year i believe it was the next year they were actually a favorite as like an 11 seed or something i forget what it was they were a yeah, they were like team. a hot pick they were a hot pick. Yeah. Yeah, they were favorites. Oh, no, they were a 12 seed. They were a 12 seed, and they were favored over Minnesota. That's what it was. Predictably, Middle Tennessee State won. So, I mean, they're more known for their past uh, exploits than they have recently. They finished 11-21 and 21 last year in the regular season. Yeah, and I'm not expecting much of a game here. Last year, they, they weren't efficient at all offensively and defensively, and they finished, like, damn near bottom, both those categories, and according to Kempom. I guess if you're looking out, for one guy, it is Antonio Green. He did lead the team in scoring last year with 17.9 points per game. Um, however, as you mentioned to me before, he is a little bit of a volume scorer, a little bit inefficient. We all we love pointing out the inefficient scorers on in, on this show. So, I mean, if there is one guy to take us down, it would be him, but I don't think he'll be enough. Yeah, I, I've noticed that teams that like to turn the ball over a lot, no matter how experienced or inexperienced Villanova is, they usually seem to feast on them. And Middle Tennessee State is one of those teams. They turn the ball over so much. Last year, they were getting really high up there. They coughed it up on almost 23% of their possessions, and they were just so bad when it came to taking care of the ball. And I think Nova should be able to feast on the Blue Raiders. I see them winning. Chris, do you see them advancing? That I do. That I do. So after... The first game, they'll move on to take on the winner of Mississippi State or Tulane. Now, given what we just said about Tulane earlier, I'm just not liking their chances here. I'm sorry to the Green Wave and their new cool logo. But is there any bright spot for Tulane or or no? Should we just look at Mississippi State? Uh, it, I would assume they'd be playing Mississippi State. But you never know in these tournaments. But uh, I, I would it would be a safe bet. I will say the one nice storyline from Tulane is that Ron Hunter of Georgia State falling off the stool fame. He is now their new head coach, taking over from Mike Dunleavy. So that is probably one nice thing. Other than that, the Green Wave pretty much lost everybody. Caleb Daniels, everybody else. The top performer is Kevin Zhang, and he just averaged about 6.5 points. But their top four scorers from last season are no longer there. And then you look at Mississippi State. I have a pretty good feeling it's them. I agree with you on that. But you look at this team, they're going to be hurting real early. They lost their top scorer from last year in Quindarius Weatherspoon. His brother, Nick, is suspended for the first 10 games of the year due to a violation of team rules. And then they do have one remaining guy in Reggie Perry. And this guy has been all the rage over there in the SEC basketball community. 
what's the deal with this guy? Who is he? Because I'm honestly not that familiar with him. Yeah, when I was looking into Mississippi State, I didn't realize how good he was. He was a really good freshman last year. One of the top freshmen in the SEC last year, that's for sure. Um, And he won the MVP in the FIBA U19 World Cup. And we do remember last year that they were a five seed in the tournament. So, I mean, they had a good roster. It just looks like it got depleted a bit. Even if Vill- so, if, even if Villanova does end up playing them, I still think they they probably win comfortably. Yeah, I think Nova should take this one. I'm going to go with by at least nine. I'm going to go with at least nine. You're getting real specific with these, dude. Oh, you gotta you gotta <laughs> set the bar. You gotta set the bar over and under. I'm not going to give a point prediction, but they win. Yeah, I would I would I would agree with that. I would say that we face Mississippi State and that they win. And they would move on to the championship where they play either Ohio again, hopefully not. If they're playing Ohio again in the last game of the Myrtle Beach Invitational, that means something drastically went wrong on either side of the bracket. And we're hoping that's not the case. But there is a chance that they can play them. If not the Bobcats again, it's going to be either Baylor, Utah, or Coastal Carolina. Chris, uh, just very quickly, can you just give me the, the rundown on these three teams? Outside of Ohio, since we already know what their deal is, and we're hoping that this isn't the case, that they're going to play the Bobcats again. So what's going on over there in Baylor, Utah, and Coastal? I'll start off with Coastal because I like their nickname the best, uh, the Chanticleers, as they are affectionately known as. They finished 17-17 and 17 last year, and they are returning their top two guys in Tyrell Gums Freighter. I believe I'm saying his name correctly, and Devontae Jones. Jones and Gums Freighter, they'll probably be doing most of the work. They'll be scoring, they'll be rebounding, and they will be playing all the defense because uh, they're pretty much a two-man squad, especially after the graduation of their top scorer, uh, Zach Cuthbertson. Moving out west now, we'll talk about Utah. The Utes are returning six foot six wing Timmy Allen. Last year, he averaged 12.2 points per game and 5.1 rebounds per game, so he will be the main guy. And especially after Cedric Bearfield just graduated, uh, Utah's coming off a 17-14 and 14 finish a year ago. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, like if there's like a dark horse pick, I guess, to make it to the finals on that side of the bracket, it would be them. I just don't really see that happening. And then I guess the last big ticket item going south on the map is Baylor. I mean... For the past few years, we've Baylor's been around. They've been really good, and I remember a few years ago they were, I believe it was a four seed, four or three seed, and they ended up losing to Yale, which was pretty devastating for them. But last year they were able to win a tournament game. It was against Syracuse in the opening round. I would probably see Baylor's most likely of the bunch to advance. I think you would agree with that to the final. They they have had some talent in the past. This year might not be as much talent on the roster due to a couple of graduations in Makai Mason but yeah I, I think I, I think it'll be if we're playing favorites here it's most likely Baylor and I would like to see Baylor I feel like Villanova and Baylor have been trying to like meet up in the tournament for a really long time and I think I think it was in 2010 when the Villanova was a two and Baylor was a three they were on a collision course until St. Mary's happened so it would be nice to finally see Baylor in a game and uh I think this might be the best opportunity for a while. Yeah, if I were to rank in order of most likely to least likely to face in the last game of the Myrtle Beach Invitational, it would be number one, Baylor. Number two, Utah. Number three, Coastal. And then number four, Ohio. I do think it'll be against Baylor, and I think Baylor will be a very interesting team in that, yes, they lost Mason, and he was like everything for them last year. And they lost a couple of other players who left. But 
I think everything's gonna hinge upon this one guy that they have, and he's six foot ten. He's a big boy. His name's Tristan Clark. He was shooting over seventy three percent on the floor, which is highly efficient, averaging over fourteen points per game. But then he had a season ending knee injury, had to get some surgery. We're not sure of what he's gonna look like coming back onto the court. But I would say most of their success and how far they can go will depend on Clark and his knee and his health. Early on in the season, if he's available, I don't know how good he's going to do or how well he's going to do right off the bat. This might be one of those things that maybe if this happened later in the year, this could be very interesting. But uh, for Baylor, I would say just because of Clark, if he is not well, this team is going to be hurting real bad. They were hurting without him. They were able to regroup a little bit at the end but they were hurting real bad without him. They do bring in a couple transfers, but other than that, I, I honestly think Clark is their main impact player, and wherever he goes, they go. And I think because he's going to not be 100% early on, I think Nova should win it. What, what say you? Yeah, I think Nova wins the whole thing too. I just think they're head and shoulders above everybody in this in this field, I like it, like you said. I think Baylor's the next closest thing, and I and if Clark is able to stay healthy and able to, you know, produce at the rate he could, I mean, it would be a very close gap, and Baylor might even be able to win the whole thing. But if he isn't, I, I think Villanova kind of I wouldn't say coasts through the tournament, but I think Villanova wins it and continues the streak. So I got Villanova winning this another midseason tournament, and I think you do too. Yeah, still undefeated. Still undefeated for me. I got them at one loss, and we're now approaching the Big Five. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which will not be a title defense, by the way. For the first time in what feels like an eternity, it will not be a title defense. <laughs> yeah, first time in a real long time. Like, And Penn was a champion, too, which is very, very weird. Yep. <laughs> we're going to get to them, but before we get to them, we have to – First take on the LaSalle Explorers, which will be a nice little homecoming for Ashley Howard. It'll be great to have him come back to the pavilion. He's my boy. Well, probably one of my favorite assistant coaches to ever talk to. Well, now he's a head coach. But Chris, outside of Ashley Howard, outside of Pookie Powell and Tracy Carter, two favorites on the show that no longer are on the team, who can we look forward to here? Who is left? Isaiah Dees. He's a 6'6 senior guard from Brooklyn. And if anybody remembers the game from last year, he went 5-7 of seven from deep against Nova and was able to keep it close for the Explorers in a game that ended up favoring Villanova 85-78, to 78, but that was a game much closer than expected. For LaSalle last year, Ashley Howard did not get his first win until the 11th game of the year. He lost his first 10 games, which was absolutely brutal to see. We really like that guy, as you mentioned, real cool assistant coach, but just didn't get off to the great start. Finished the season 10-21 and 21 in overall 8 and 10 in conference though so he did rebound a little bit so is that a win for the cats yeah, it is on the record on the record all right i agree with you i think no <laughs> should win that one i now have them at 7 and 0 okay and i'm 6 and 1 all right okay so good so pretty good so far so pretty this good is, this is great sign up for this <laughs> yeah no so far so good so far so good the mm-hmm. next one we were very confident in the result but i'm sure it just kind of blew in every single Villanova's fan's face. Oh, I heard about it for the longest time, especially with my sister being a Penn graduate. But after they take on LaSalle, three days later, they'll have a rematch against the Quakers. Chris, first of all, this game had so much meaning. 
First, it was the Penn Quakers, which, first of all, an Ivy League school beating the defending national champion, Villanova, an actual basketball school. And then we got beat by future Wall Street boys, stockbrokers, this and that, accountants. And then we had the JQ incident on Instagram. There's just so much, so much going on from this game. I don't think there's going to be that much drama this year, and I think we should be safe in saying that. But what can we expect from the Quakers on the court? Do they still have that guy, Brodeur? Is, is he not graduated yet? A.J. Brodeur is still a thing. He averaged 17.6 points a game last year and also grabbed over eight boards a game. So he's still doing big, and he's a real big pain in the butt to play against. And they also got Devin Goodman returning. He averaged just a shade under 14 points per game last year, and they are both seniors. So they're going to look to try out and go out with a bang and try and win their last game against Villanova. Going back to that game last year, I, I can't, can't talk enough about it. It was such a stupid game. From like Penn getting off to a hot start and then Villanova climbing its way back, and they actually had a chance to tie it at the end. And I remember that really dumb inbounds play they ran and or ended up being a dumb inbounds play. And then you had the JQ Instagram incident, and that's when we kind of realized, okay, this season's not going to be normal. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a thing of the past, and hopefully Villanova can get its revenge against Penn. I don't think I would ever picture myself ever saying those words, but here we are. Um, this game's at the Finn. I think Villanova takes care of business easily. I will say, though, so just because, you know, they're Penn and, you know, you have all the, the whole, you know, cliche where you were saying, like, Wall Street boys, accountants, or whatever, they can still play ball, and they're really good. They finished 19-12 and 12 last year, 7-7 and 7 in conference. They actually made the Ivy League tournament, uh, which is the top four teams in the league, I believe. Ended up losing to Harvard, but they were in it. So this team isn't, this, this team isn't a pushover. They're, they're decent. They're pretty good. We'll probably give Nova a game. And this is also the first game for Penn, I believe, at the Pavilion slash Finn in, like, years since I think our senior year because the last time they were at Villanova was at Jake Nevin. So we'll oh, yeah, they haven't them. seen the new house. They haven't seen the new one yet. Haven't seen the new house, and they haven't seen the, the last time they were – they weren't even the old house. So, yeah, uh, I still think Villanova wins pretty easily, though, um, all things considered. I think Nova starts to hit a roll here. Yeah, I think this is when Nova starts to see heat back up. Uh, if all things goes according to plan, this would be when we start to work back in Brian Antoine. And uh, I think that I'm not going to underestimate Penn anymore. I'm not going to disrespect him. Uh, just like when they beat Villanova football and we've been ducking them ever since, I have now a new regained, a newfound respect for the Penn Quakers. And I think Villanova wins. Wouldn't be surprised if it was close again, but I think they should take care of business. This is a revenge game. I'm sure Jermaine Samuels, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, Colin Gillespie did not feel too hot after that game. So moving on, 8-0, 7-1. They're going to go on the road over to Hagen Arena to take on the St. Joe's Hawks. This is the first year without Phil Martelli, which is going to feel very, very strange. I'm used to always seeing him. I always feel like he's plotting. Like If he was a Bond villain, I would believe that. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah it's, I, I would believe that too. I could see him overlooking his window. You know, he's got one of those big wheelie chairs that when you walk into his office, he turns around. He's got like a, a cat in his lap. Yeah, this guy, <laughs> this guy looks like he could be a Bond villain, which is great because then you got GQJ on the other side of it. Yeah. But uh, no more Bond villain this year, though. No more Bond no villain. More. Now, I remember this game being a little bit closer than. I would have liked last year, 
But oh, Phil yeah. Booth was thankfully able to uh, basically shoot him down with a nice little clutch three and a couple other things. But this team has lost a lot. What's the state of St. Joe's right now? Uh, it ain't good. Uh, they lost the, the, their four leading scorers from last year, Charlie Brown Jr., Lamar Kimball. Uh, those are two big names right there. We, we mentioned them, I don't know how many times in the past few years. And now that they're gone, it's, it's pretty weird to think about. Then you got Jared Bynum and Chris Clover also left as well. Um, so I, really the only returning like steady player for St. Joe's is Taylor Funk. He averaged eight, about eight and a half points per game last year, five and a half boards per game, which was second on the team. Um, with regards to rebounding, it just is, they just don't have enough coming in to replace all that. It's going to be a rough year for St. Joe's. Maybe you can get some development from the younger guys and maybe they, someone steps up, but like it's, that's going to be an incredibly a tough ask, you know, going into Hagen's not always, it's not an easy task, no matter what team St. Joe's ice is out there. So it, it should be a good game regardless, I think. I think Villanova wins. I think they even struggle a little bit in this. I have no merit to base that on other than it being a road game against a rival. So uh, I think Villanova wins, and I think you think Villanova wins, and I think that's a pretty safe assumption. That is a very safe assumption, very safe assumption. I think the Villanova should go in there and destroy St. Joe's. Another win for Villanova in the Holy War. Do we still call it the Holy War? I remember when that was like controversy at one point. But um, yeah, I guess it is. We'll still call it the Holy War. Yeah. I think Nova wins that one. Moving on, moving on to Delaware, which will also be another familiar face. And Dylan Painter, who won't be available, unfortunately. He won't be able to play until January because he transferred. But it'll be good to see him there. I don't know why. I had, I had a little soft spot for Dylan Painter. Um, Kind of forgot about him. Oh. <laughs> Was a look, was a look, yeah, because he wasn't up. exactly like bench mob, but he wasn't no. exactly like sixth man of the year either. Right. It was, he, was, he was in that awkward purgatory spot oh. <laughs> for this bench This is definitely, player. honestly, the best move for his career, though. Oh, no, 100%. I'm all for it. Support him. 100, uh, do what's best for him. Uh, would have actually liked to have seen him play in this because you know damn well he would have been dropping 20. Yeah. <laughs> maybe dishing some dimes like from half court. You knew it was going to happen. Um, it would have been, I mean, it would have been devastating to see as a Villanova fan, but you, it would have, would have been a nice little storyline there. Um, so a little upsetting that he can't play. Will you be going to this game, Chris? Uh, right in your backyard, the Prudential Center. Never forget Tribute Classic. We're back in it. It, it is. It is. Yes. Uh, never forget Classic. Last time Villanova was in this was, I believe it was 16-17 when we, uh, we, uh, when Villanova played uh, Notre Dame in a, classic game that yeah that was like a really really cool game great game little low more low-key this time around uh delaware not exactly the best uh, according to ken palm they were 265 last year and they had the uh 328th ranked defense out of 353 possible defenses out there so not good a uh, little bit of a bump this year they're sitting <clears> at 257 right now but it's uh, still not looking pretty for delaware they lost uh, their leading scorer and eric carter uh, just under 16 points a game last year, grabbed almost 10 boards too while he was at it. He was a really good player from what I saw from researching. And then also Ethiel Horton was also another uh, big name that Delaware ended up losing. He uh, 
basically as good as Carter was, he basically led the team towards the end of the year. Horton did uh, and kept Delaware afloat uh, to a 17 and 16 regular season record. So now that those two are gone, it's probably going to get a little bit worse. But they do return Ryan Allen, with six, who averaged 16 points per game last year, and Kevin Anderson, who led the team in assists with over three a game and also put up about 11 points a game as well. So I don't know if I will be there. It is at Prudential Center. But if you can't be there, it'll be on ESPN2, just like the St. Joe's game. So who can't wait to watch ESPN uh, Villanova on ESPN, you know? Wow. Two oh, games in a row, Eugene. A week? week, A week of Villanova on ESPN, too. They're going to lose their damn minds. <laughs> this is when they talk about us positively, and then they go back to forgetting about us. Or, the, or they play the long con and hope we lose both of those, and then they can bash us all they want. And that would be the, exactly what they want, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. They're going to act like that's the first time they've ever heard of a – they're going to be like a Chris uh, R.C. Diacono. They're going to pretend as if they, they don't know that last name. No, no, of course not. Jeremiah uh, Robinson Earl, who's that? Five star? Are you sure? <laughs> Five star by who? <laughs> not us. SI for <laughs> kids? <laughs> <laughs> they go on their rankings right then and there, and they change them to a four-star recruit watch. Um, that is actually one of my conspiracy theories, that they, they rank the Duke guys. Once they sign on to Duke, they just like give them a little boost up. According oh, to their rankings, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Would not shock me either. No. But that being said, this they this being a this will be a Villanova home crowd, and this should be an easy win, right? Yes, you agree? Oh, to both, definitely Villanova home crowd. They're in Jersey. Oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely coming out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to the next one. Oh look, it's Kansas. <laughs> oh yeah, this is the big daddy. This is uh, no one sleeping on this one. This is a very very. This is the game I'm, I'm looking forward to. I've been trying to buy tickets for like the last two weeks, and every time I look on, it's very strange in that only certain sections are available, but not the whole thing. I'm not sure why. But this game right here is the Big Daddy non-con game. Sorry, UConn. I'm sure they think that's them every year during this three-year trilogy, but this is the Big Daddy non-con game. The Kansas Jayhawks, a nice little rematch of last year, which was also a classic. It was that Phil Booth, Eric Pascal, one of their put-the-team-on-our-backs performances. This year, it's going to look very, very different. I'm not sure in whose favor it's playing towards because Kansas lost some guys. Lenovo lost some guys. We got some very good quality pieces coming in. Kansas, they always got people. Chris, give it to me. What's going on? The last time Kansas went to the Wells Fargo Center, it was not good news for the Jayhawks. They went home sad. Are we seeing a little repeat of that or what? I, I hope so. I really do. This would be if I hope I can get a ticket to this game because this is going to be so lit. Wells Fargo tailgate's going to be great. Everyone's going to be hyped up. Middle of the season, so you're into the full swing of things. It's it's going to be right around Christmas time, so everybody's out of work and all. It's it's going to be a grand old time. But yeah, to talk about Kansas a little bit. They're going to be led by Devin Dotson. Uh, he averaged a little bit over 12 points per game last year, sophomore guard. But he did real big toward, towards the end of last year. He did real big for Kansas down the stretch last year. Basically carried the team when a lot of stuff was going on. Uh, him and uh, Diedrich Lawson put on a two-man show. They will also have Azubuki complimenting him. Big force inside. We all know about him. Uh, he was hurt for most of last year, pretty much all of last year. Can be exposed a little bit if the, if the opposing team decides to stretch the floor. But he's such a dominant force, you just can't take him off the court. And making his return to Kansas is Silvio D'Souza. 
I'm not even too familiar with the situation he had going on. I know he had a feud with the NCAA. He was ineligible, then eligible, then ineligible again. I'm still not 100% sure on that story. But we remember him from the Final Four game a couple of years ago, in which he really didn't do all that much. Actually, he was actually kind of the spark, I would say, for Kansas to even have a shot in that game. I mean, they really didn't, but remember him causing a little bit of problems. He averaged four points per game and nearly four rebounds per game his freshman year. But now he's back, and he should be playing in this game, barring injury or any other NCAA nonsense. They do. Kansas also does bring in one top 100 recruit, uh, according to ESPN. I know 24-7 differs on that a little bit. But for ESPN, they list Jalen Wilson in 73. Don't know what the plans are for him with Bill Self. They do have some uh, freshmen coming in that do have some talent. With regards to last year, Kansas had a really weird year. They had that the Sousa thing and the LeGerald Vick thing. Then it, they didn't win the Big 12 title in the regular season. Then they're losing to Iowa State in the postseason. And then they lost to Auburn, who eventually made the Final Four in the second round. So they, it was a, just a mess from the get-go for, for Kansas, it seemed like, with the, especially with the Asabuki injury, too. They were all over the place, and now they got a scandal going on, apparently. I, I don't know. You, you oh, yeah. Snoop Dogg coming in with the strip poles, the strippers. <laughs> They're, uh, they're the Bill Self's got some controversy going on. Yeah, everything's yeah. – yeah, it hasn't stopped. The, the problems are still coming. I, I hope Kansas is like does well for themselves up until this game, and I know you do too. But what we were both saying before we got on here, how is this team number three? Like, I'm I just like, – I, I, Dotson's hey, really good. There are a lot of people who, who are confused as to why Nova's 10. Remember, that poll's – it was our own view, Hoopsters. It's not even like ESPN yeah. or anyone else. People think that we're a little too high too. Right. And, like, look, I, I know, like, I don't give a crap about the rankings, but it's, like, Dotson, Azubuki are good enough to get you a number three. I don't know. I just feel like if their name wasn't Kansas, they'd be number, they wouldn't be number three. I still think they're top 25 material, that's for sure. Heck, even top 10 material. But number three seems a little high to me as just, just from looking at the roster right now. I, I don't know. But I, I, this hopefully they keep it up because I would love to see a high-ranked matchup come December 21st. And you know what? I'm going to give them a win. I think Villanova wins this game. Wow. Because they because uh I like I said, I have no merit. Villanova's home. Crowd's gonna be lit. Villanova exposes Azabuki with the three point shooting. And I think they're able to lock down on Dotson. I don't know. There's the game ha- they haven't even stepped foot on the court yet, and I'm saying that, but that's what I have to say. What do you think? Kansas is number three because they're playing the Champions Classic, which is broadcasted on ESPN, and I could go on and on more about <laughs> conspiracy theories. But uh, I think that this should be a very interesting game. I do like Devin Dotson. Not only is he great on one on the offensive end, but he's also a lockdown defender. And I think he's going to give whoever he's on a run for their money, whether that's Antoine by that point in late December or if it's Colin Gillespie, whichever guard it might have to be. I personally, I can't wait to see what happens here. I can't wait to see that Jeremiah Robinson Earl versus Udoka Asbuki, the experienced guy versus the young guy. Oh, oh, can't wait. I can't wait. Getting getting pumped already thinking about it. I've been pumped for this game since it was first announced. I, I'm going to throw all professional things out the window, and I say Nova wins this one. I say Nova wins this one and stays undefeated. I really hope so. I really, I really hope, hope so, too, because I'm trying to go to that game. and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be sad. No, not at all. I, I want to be happy. <laughs> and hopefully both teams hold serve here, and then, you know, it's a, yeah, cool rank, it's a cool matchup on the rankings, too, you know. 
Yeah, top 10 marquee matchup would be very cool. But I do totally agree with you. I, I don't understand why they're three. I do think they're definitely top 15, top 10 even maybe. But their freshman class doesn't seem as loaded as it was a couple years ago. Like, it, it seems like there's just not – like, LeGarrelle Vick, you knew that he was going to carry and along with Asbuki, and then they had guys like Dodson and, and other players. But this year it's just like, I don't know. I don't know about that. But it's Kansas. They always find a way. They always find yeah, a way. They yeah, they always do. You're right. Now, after the big Kansas game, we're going back to the Wells Fargo Center for part three of three of the UConn trilogy, the last game that we will face the Huskies while they are an American athletic conference team. Chris, one, I can't wait for this because I don't know what happened, but they're – I don't know if – oh, you're off Twitter. I forget, but <laughs> these UConn fans, when they first announced that they were coming back to the Big East, you they, they would have thought like, oh, we're just going to walk right back onto our throne. Like, thanks, thanks for keeping the seat warm for us, Villanova. Like, what – blown them out the last two times and i honestly think it's gonna be another one for round three hey yeah i would think so especially being at home and going over just owning them the past two games like you said this yeah uconn's been very mediocre for a very long time uh, ever since their championship our sophomore years so that was 2014 so yeah for the past five years they've been very very average. Uh, last year, they finished 16 and 17, 6 and 12 in conference. They're returning Christian Vital, put up 14 points per game, also about six rebounds per game as a guard. Uh, and then you got your junior, Altari Gilbert. He averaged around 13 points a game. Uh, but the problem was that arguably the Huskies' best player in Jalen Adams uh, graduated. So you're losing a lot of talent right there. He did a lot for them, basically carried them the whole way for the past couple of years. So, I mean, can Vital and Gilbert step up? Absolutely. And they do have some other guys that can fill in, but it's not Jalen Adams. And, yeah, it's, it's good to see UConn back at Wells Fargo. When was the last time they played at Wells Fargo? It, it's been an eternity, it feels like. Must have been when it was still the Wachovia Center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, you know, Maybe. you're probably right. You might be right. You might be right on that. It, it just seems that they, uh, they just haven't really found their stride in the past few years. And they, as you mentioned, as we both mentioned, they did play Villanova last year, and that was an absolute throttling by Villanova at MSG. That was the game we all thought JQ was going to finally, you know, come out and light the world on fire and tell the Big East he's arrived, and he never saw the court ever again after that. So, <laughs> yeah, and that was the end of that. So it's good to see you come back in the area at Wells Fargo bring up the old Big East matchup type stuff, but obviously we, we know they're coming in next year. So good to see, and it'll be fun because they'll get their butt whooped and Villanova wins again. Yeah, I'm glad that UConn's going to be back in the Big East next year, but they, we're going to we're gonna have to give them a little reminder that uh, you, you're not just going to waltz back into the Big East and everyone's going to be like, oh, UConn's back, guys. They can, they can run the show. No, no, no. That's not. That's not how it is. That's not how it has been for the last few years. That's not how it's gonna be. I think Villanova should win this one. No Jalen Adams means it should be pretty big time. Even though I do kind of like Altariq Gilbert and Kristen Vital, but no Jalen Adams, big problems for UConn. But I do remember last year was relatively close until Nova just kind of pulled away, big time. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit of back and forth early on, 
and that's when I realized that uh, UConn fans are kind of uh, kind of a pain. I don't blame them though. They they all came up for that game. They all came out for oh, that no. game. Yeah, they showed up in droves, and for a not very good team either. God only knows what's going to happen when they get good again, because you know they will. Like, they just wanted that Big East taste. That's all they wanted. That Big East. Yeah. Taste. You can't <laughs> yeah, do the same thing for Tulsa and Tulane. Tulane, yeah. And it's at the Garden too. That's where UConn like makes most of their uh, memories. I feel like Big East tournament. So, yeah, I guess that they all showed up. They're like the St. Louis Cardinals. I feel like they're always like they always like come up with like some voodoo stuff that they just like get good out of nowhere. They really shouldn't be. <laughs> and like their fan base is like the same way too. They're like really good, but like. You just know, like you, they just always show up no matter what, regardless of the team. So, I appreciate that they're back in the Big East next year, but for this year, they're American Conference and uh, they're coming into a very hostile environment in the Wells Fargo Center. And I look forward to beating them. So that's a win. Win for the Cats. Yeah. Yes. Win for the Cats. All right. So you got them at eleven and one, and I got them at twelve and zero. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of one of those like, oh, when I look at each individual matchup, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's a win. Yeah. Oh, that that's a win. Oh, that's right. only a win. But then when you just kind of say it like that, it's like, oh man. Yeah, it's. Uh, they don't always go undefeated in non-con play. No, I know. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. No, no. But when you're in the Myrtle Beach Classic with an unloaded lineup. It, it, gets a little, it gets a little easier. And the big five, too, but I didn't say that. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. That makes your people angry. But, yeah. anyways, on to the last non-con game, the Temple Owls. A little trickler in there in middle of February. It's on a Sunday. ESPN again. Chris, last time the Cats beat the Owls. Pretty... You know, it was pretty comfortable. You know, it was a, a 10-point victory last year at the Finn. What do you think is going to go on this year? What's going to happen? They were pretty solid last year, and they have a couple guys back, but what are we looking at here? They were really solid last year. Uh, they made the tournament. They were in the first four, ended up losing the Belmont. Uh, but they were uh, they were a really good team last year. Finished 23-10, and 13-5 in conference, and that record does include the loss to Belmont in the first four. Um, as you mentioned, they did lose the Villanova 69-59, and a not-so-nice not game for them at Villanova. I don't even remember that game. I don't, I don't know why. I, like, I feel like it, it, we probably freaked out a lot about that because I, it was a 10-point game, and I feel like they should have blown them out at the time. But Temple ended up showing that they're actually really good. So they are returning Quentin Rose. He's their senior leader, uh, 16.3 points per game last year. And there is also a guy named Nate Pierre-Louis. Uh, we were making fun of his name last year and don't know why. And he also had a big game against Villanova because we made fun of his name. So got him. He averaged Did 13. We? I don't remember that. No, I thought we made fun of the Louis-Louis thing. I don't, I don't know if we ever really settled on if it's Louis or Louis. Oh, it is Louis. He does take the French it, pronunciation. It is Louis because yeah. Pierre-Louis, I would think. Um, yeah, I think – I. I thought we did. I don't know. I think that's the only thing I remember from that, that matchup last year. Uh, 
also NPL's, I'm going to call him NPL from now on, uh, NPL's brother, Josh, so JPL, is also on the team. He's a freshman. Don't know if we'll see any playing time. I don't know how the rotation's working out in Temple, but he is on the team just as a fun fact. They are losing their best player, though, in la- from last year, and that's Shiz Alston Jr. He averaged just under 20 points per game. He was a little hashtag inefficient, but he was a real big pain in the butt to play against and always caused problems for Villanova. And also they lost their leading rebounder, Ernest Aflac-Pui. Oh, God, I can't even say Aflac-Pui, yeah. Aflac-Pui. Okay, all right. I sent it out. He averaged about seven, po- uh, seven points, seven boards per game. So you're losing two big guys there. I'm expecting a little bit more of the same. They could be a tournament team if things break the right way, if Grinton Rose can really put the team on his back, and if uh, NPL can develop a little bit. Yeah, I still think Villanova wins at Temple. Yeah, I think Nova should win this one. Uh, not too threatened by the Owls, and I feel like mid-February, that's at that point, that's like Villanova yeah. plus fifteen, like plus fifteen levels from whatever they were in November. Like February, sure. that's when they start to lock things down. But that is also when they get that random loss right before the postseason. Hopefully, it's when it's they're starting to tighten things up and not the random loss. Yeah, I hope so. It would be nice to sweep the Big Five after uh, not sweeping it last year and get back on top there. I will say this, though, that this is probably going to be the toughest Big Five game on the road against arguably this most talented roster that is in Villanova, right? I I would say so. Oh, you're saying like outside Villanova? Yeah, I would say so, probably. Yeah, Yeah, Quentin Rose is looking really good. Right, and the fact that it's on the road, it's a tough environment always. So, yeah, I I could I could see them dropping it for sure, but uh, I, I think they'll they'll come out victorious on this one. So only one loss for me for the against in the non-con schedule, and I'm guessing you you have them winning this. Uh, yeah, that's correct. And thirteen and zero, which uh, we're at the point now where we reevaluate. Uh, are you going to change? You're going to lock it in at twelve and one. You want to change anything? You want to walk it back? I'll lock it in at twelve and one, but I could see them drop in that Temple game. But I'll I'll stick with twelve and one. I'm saying 13 no, baby. Doing it again. Two year, three years in a row, 13 no. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you picked them at uh, undefeated last year, and we all know I how did. last year's non-con went. So, uh. I will say, though, <laughs> I can see them losing either of the – like, I can see the Ohio State. Like, if we, we had to rank, like, probable losses, like, mm-hmm. I can see the Ohio State more than I can see Kansas. But mm-hmm. it also wouldn't shock me if they dropped both, which would not be fun. But eleven and two is also nothing to sneeze at. Like at no. this point, we're just arguing one loss or two loss, right. or no loss, which we'll be freaking out over respectively when it happens. Oh, if yeah. if and when it happens, uh, but, or it could just be like last year when we were like, "Wow, we are very calm right now." How is everyone else freaking out? <laughs> it was weird. It was very strange. Know. Very strange. We were surprisingly calm when usually we're the one. Well, we were I'm telling people not to hit the panic button. Yeah, that was that was one was of our big, highest performing episodes last year. It was. <laughs> it was a real Twilight Zone episode. I feel like where we're the ones saying "calm down," but hey, it's uh, it's good to have basketball back, though. Oh we'll yeah, see. definitely, it's definitely. Tuesday, Tuesday is almost here, almost here, almost here, almost here. And then Thursday we'll be back at you with the uh, Big East preview. Yeah, we're gonna shift to the Big East portion of the schedule, which is gonna be more fun because then we argue home and away and what the season series is gonna look like. Yes, yes. And then of course we just kind of talk about Seton Hall and how much we want to destroy them. 
<laughs> yeah, what if we just devoted the whole show to that? Oh no, 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 we can't we can't let them think that they're that important. Just That's just a, just enough to to shout them out at this point in the episode. If, you, if there's a scene hall fan that listened all the way up to the 64th minute mark or whatever minute mark we're at, I, I would be more impressed. Yeah. That's true. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to View Hoops on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and within the View Hoops Network on all these different podcast platforms, you can find the State of the Nova Nation. Please give us a subscribe. If you haven't, hit us with a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Make sure that uh, we still stay fed and uh, we don't get fired and uh, keeps Mike J happy. So please, please, five-star, 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 five-stars. And also, always check back at viewhoops.com. I'm putting together a little bit of a schedule breakdown. If you want a little more details, please go ahead. Feel free to look at it. And then after this, we're going to have the, we're going to move on to the Big East portion. And of course, if you want to look at any of our preseason content, please have have a look at it. We we have just been pumping out content left and right over at viewhoops.com. So please give that a check. Check that out right now. Please give View Hoops a follow on social media. You can do so on Twitter, on Instagram, at View Hoops. Also like our page on Facebook. We always got the articles on there. It's always a pop in time on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. I'm Chris Stanzial. I got nothing. Follow Eugene. Follow the pod. Follow View Hoops. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. We are now one week away. The countdown begins.